happy Mother's Day to those of you that are um, so blessed and fortunate to be able to have children of your own. I know there were some times when I did have my children and I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done to myself? And so um, I, I know one of the other things, you know, when I drove through uh, and I drove here today, I drove by Bircham's Medals and the the sign says, you know, happy Mother's Day to mothers, but also mothers at heart, because there are some people that aren't able to have children, or there are some people who maybe have had a child, but now um, have lost a child. And so um, to you also, we just say um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for um, just, you know, being willing to love others and being willing to uh, share life with others. Well, I um, always like to start uh, you know, sharing some personal stories. Uh, and I always feel that, you know, a, a story that's good is always worth repeating. So here we go. This is um, my favorite Mother's Day gift. And um, I was, it was probably about five or six years ago and was sitting in uh, downstairs. We probably, you know, gone to church that morning and we're sitting there. And, and so Dan was like, oh, hey, I've got this really great gift for you. And I was like, oh, you know, you, you know me really well, I'm sure. So, um, so he brings out this box, and I open it up, and, and I get this little mini iPad. And I thought, man, really nice, really nice. And I'm sitting there in my head thinking through, like, well, I'm not very good at electronics. I'm not very good. I don't really like them. I, why do I need it? I have a phone. So I'm processing through and with a smile. Thanks. Thanks, big guy. That was really, really great. So meanwhile, he runs off as I'm still enjoying my mini iPad. He runs off to the other room and I'm like, all right, here it comes. Here's the flowers. Here's the, you know, pretty plant. Here's a new outfit. So no, no. So we're going to just imagine for a minute, this is a iPad, right? So I've got my mini here. And he says, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. I'm so excited. It was basically buy one, get one free. Well, I got you that mini iPad. Look what I got for me. And he was so proud of himself. So that's just a story that we are going to continue to enjoy over the years. So you might hear it every once in a while. Um, but I just, I'm, I feel very, very blessed. My mom was in the service earlier, and it, it's just amazing when you have a relationship with your mother um, and you have a relationship with somebody like a mother, um, the depth of love and care and the depth of sacrifice that it takes to be a mom, that's really what we're going to be talking about today. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, just thank you for this time. Thank you that... Um, you give us a day to honor our moms, and thank you that we have people in our life that we get to celebrate, and that um, we just get this this moment to really enjoy and love them and um, show how much we care. We just pray your blessing over the moms in the house today. In Jesus' name, amen. So when um, I was younger and I was uh, helping my mom fold clothes and, you know, so we are sitting there and I'm folding some of her stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, there's like holes all over in it. And as I was folding, I was like, man, you're so gross. <laughs> you know, I was a teenager. Um, like, how, why don't you buy yourself something new? And she looked at me and she said, Gretchen, I don't buy myself new things because I buy them for you. I would rather you have something new. And that was like one of those moments when I was like, oh my gosh, like I, yeah, you're right. You, you always 
take care of me. You always provide for me. You always give me the things that I need. And so, um, you know, there's always sacrifice in what a mother does. And so um, journeying on a couple years later, I had, um, I was a senior in high school and my uh, brother passed away. It was in, Jan in January. And um, so I was struggling with being at school because, you know, I thought, man, how is it that people can just move on with their life when I'm stuck here in this grief and sadness? And so um, I ended up moving a couple hours away. I moved in, moved in with my coach and his family. And so it was about two and a half hours away from my mom and dad. And uh, my coach said, uh, you know what, you're being recruited. So there was this big, like, newspaper article. It was crazy. And um, so my parents ended up emancipating me. So at age 17, I went to the courts, and I had to go and get emancipated. Now, remember, my mom and dad, they did this because they knew that was going to be what was best for me. Was it easy for them? No way. You know, my mom, they just lost another child, and then I moved away. And so basically, they became you know, um, there's an empty house, and it wasn't by their choice. And so that sacrifice that my parents had given had opened up some opportunities for me, and I am so thankful that they did allow me to go out. But, but what a hard, hard thing that was during that season. I didn't really understand the sacrifice of being a mom, until I had my own children. And so uh, it was really great. We had gone, uh, Dan and I were having dinner with my mom when we found out we were pregnant. It was like, oh, I can't wait to share with my mom. She's going to be so excited. And so anyways, we get to the restaurant and we're getting ready to do the reveal. And she's sitting there and I was like, mom, guess what? You know, we're going to have a baby. And she looked at me. She goes, are you sure? And so I thought, well, that's not really the response I was expecting from my mom, you know, who's going to be a grandma. So um, we figured out later that um, really the reason for that was she knew the sacrifice of what, what it takes to be a mom. You know, you don't have hot meals anymore. You don't have um, clean clothes the same because as you're walking out to church, somebody throws up on you or poops on you. And so all of those things um, change. Your dreams shift. Everything about you, there's a sacrifice involved when you become a mother. There's really wonderful parts to being a mom. You know, the moments when your kids get potty trained, that's always a highlight. Um, when they learn to ride a bike and there's some independence there. When they learn to drive, even more independence. They can start taking themselves everywhere. And then uh, maybe when they ask somebody out on a date for the first time, that's something that's exciting. When they start to see other people's needs before their own, those are really special moments as a mom. You know, there's terrible moments as well. Um, you know, if you have a child who argues with you at all, um, and sometimes it's nonstop, even, and you go around and around and around and around, still not coming to an agreement, um, that's really challenging and really hard. Um, also, you know, when you watch your child make poor decisions and you have these hopes and these dreams that they're going to be what God has created them to be, but yet they keep detouring, and that's really hard to watch. Um, 
I had a really great experience with our oldest son, Elijah, where uh, his teacher had called me in. Uh, he was in kindergarten, I think, first grade, somewhere in there. And his teacher said, hey, I'm really concerned right now. Um, Elijah's coming in. This is what he said. So he said that underneath our house, we have so in our basement, guns and knives, and so many guns and knives. You're not going to believe how many guns and knives we have. And so the teacher was really concerned that in our basement, we had all these guns and knives. I had to tell her we don't have a basement, and we don't really have guns and knives. So um, that was really fun and a real highlight for me. Um, The other thing that happened a couple years ago when we were living up in um, Newburgh or Sherwood, somewhere up north, and um, Dan, we, we typically, over July 4th, we'll do a fireworks stand. So Dan was sleeping at the tent, and um, I was at home and had the kids with me. And so Micah, um, had, he had to go to practice, and so he had to drive over to um, Tualatin. And so as he was driving, um, well, I, I was still sleeping, and he had left. And so I had my phone by my nightstand, which I normally don't, but thankfully I did, and I see this call, and it was something kind of odd, and I was like, well, I don't know that number. I'm not going to answer it. Then I get a text from that same number, and it was like, Mom, it's Micah. Please pick up the phone. So we have this conversation, and he says, I've been in an accident, and I need you to come pick me up. And so for me, my heart has stopped because um, I don't know what to expect when I get there. So when I get there, um, you know, I see the cones. They've blocked off this road. He hit a tree basically head on. It was interesting. Leah was supposed to go with him. Thankfully, didn't because she might have lost some legs. It was awful. Um, And had he been just off to the side a couple of inches, um, he would have gone into this swamp thing and probably not made it. It was just really awful. So I'm, I'm getting there and Finally, I see him with the medic, and it was like, oh, okay, my heart can rest now because he at least is okay. He is going to make it. And so that was a really, really awful moment for me. Um, A lot of these things, these are moments in our life that is uh, the moments are woven into a tapestry. And so this tapestry, we have bright colors, right, in the good moments. We've got dark colors in the sad moments. We have um, the beginning of new shapes sometimes, and we have the end of a shape. And so you'll see that woven through different kinds of tapestry. We celebrate victories of our children, and then we hurt really deeply when they are going through trials. I want to share a couple stories from the Bible for you, uh, with you for, um, about some women that have sacrificed quite a bit. I'm going to start with Hannah. So Hannah, she was married to Elkanah, and he was also married to Panina. And so um, Elkanah had two wives, so Panina and Hannah. Panina, she had all sorts of children. She just had them right and left, you know. And so um, that was really great, but Hannah was not able to have children. And so Hannah was left feeling um, not good enough. Because, you know, it was really important that people had their children and had that lineage carry them on. And so um, she felt very sad about that. And here's the, the troubling piece is Panina, she was like mocking Hannah. And she's like, ha, 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 look at all my kids, my brood, they're coming with me. And look at you, you don't have any kids, poor you. And so it was really, really rude. Um, every time they would go to the temple, they would have these 
experiences. And finally, Hannah is like, I've had enough. So she's cried out to God so many times. In 1 Samuel 1, 10 and 11, it says this. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look at your servant's misery and remember me, do not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will be used on his head. So she is just saying, Lord, please give me this son. I need a baby. When you give me that baby, I promise I'll give him back to you. Have you ever cried out for something that you've wanted so badly? God, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you help me to stop drinking so much, then I'll, I'll go to church more. I'll, I'll see this person more. If you help me with this, if you give me this thing, um, it'll, life will be so much better. What happens if, if you don't get the desires of your heart? Like, what's your response if you don't get what you want? My sister-in-law, Karen, um, she had been going through, uh, well, she had had a child in her early 20s, and um, soon after she had Andrew, they found out that she had cancer, and it was a very severe form of cancer, so she had to do radiation and chemotherapy. It ended up just kind of frying everything um, that would allow her to have another child, and she was just beside herself because all she really wanted was to have ki more kids and more kids. She wanted a big family, and so when um, it didn't work out, she would go to church, and, and they would have services where there would be healing. And so she would go up to the front and, okay, God, you're going to heal me. You're going to heal me. She would see all these other people around her get healed. And she was never healed. And she thought, you know, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Um, but God had a different plan for her. God had something really unique and special. She was able to adopt two children. Um, and the cool part is, I remember the moment that she got her second child. It was her son, Luke. And I remember there was just like this peace that came over her, and she just felt complete, right? And so she had, um, the desire of her heart was to have more children, and she thought it was going to be this way. But God had a different plan, and God said, no, hey, I've got these two special children that I need this family for. And so you're it, Karen. You guys are going to take these kids. And so, you know, God heard her pleas even though it was different. Similarly, God heard Hannah's plea. In 1 Samuel 20, uh, sorry, 1, 27 and 28, she was able to have a child. She says, I prayed for this child, this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also dedicated him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord, and they worshiped the Lord there. So God granted what she had asked for, and she said, yes, thank you so much. And then now she is dedicating him back to the Lord. Thank you for what you've given me. Now I give him back to you. When you think about the sacrifice that it took for Hannah to take what she had longed for and to be able to just drop it 
at the you know, feet of Eli the priest, you know, who was at the temple, and just to say, okay, this is like my hope and my dream. This is the thing I've prayed for and I have cried out for. And okay, you know, come on, little Samuel, I'm going to go ahead and give you up right now. Like what a sacrifice that was for Hannah to be able to do that. Are there times maybe um, for you that you have sacrificed something and you've maybe laid it down and then you kind of go, ooh, I'm not really sure. Maybe I better take it back. Um, I don't agree with that. Well, let's see what Hannah's response when she gives her son back to the temple and says he's going to serve God for the rest of his life. Let's see what she says. In 1 Samuel 2, 1 and 2, it says this, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn, or strength, is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Her response was not crying and uh, bitterness. It was God, thank you so much for what you gave me. I'm giving him back, and I'm looking to you, and I'm saying, yes, thank you so much for providing, for for, um, healing my heart, for creating this little baby that I get to have and I get to see, and I am so thankful for that. So going back to, to your own life and the vows that you have given, um, what has your response been if God has not given you your hopes and dreams, the things that you have wanted? Have you found excuses, maybe reasons why you can't even go to the temple and drop off that desire of your heart? Have you been like Hannah and had that response of delight in the Lord for providing that desire of your heart? Like my, my sister-in-law, Karen, you know, she had this dream, right? But it ended up being so different than what she had, had expected. Are there things in your life that have been different than what you expected? All of that is part of our tapestry that we're weaving, right? The, the um, desires of our heart are pieces to our picture, Maybe there's some of you that are still looking for answers to the cry of your heart. And you've said, yeah, I have been crying out to you, God, so long, so many times. Where are you? I don't know where you are. I thought you would be answering me by now, but you haven't. Where are you? In our house, we have a saying. It says, look beyond what you can see. So sometimes, you know, you open the refrigerator and you're like, all right, where is the ketchup? And it's like right in front of your face, but for whatever reason, you can't see it. So we say, look beyond what you can see. It's, it's there, I promise. And so if you think about that in our own life, right, there are times when we're looking everywhere for something. We're looking for the blessing of God or we're looking for that desire of our heart that we know God wants to answer for us. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking, and sometimes it's right in front of our face. Sometimes it's right next to us. Sometimes it is, you know, just so close.
Well, what came of Hannah's sacrifice, right? She sends her son to the temple. What happened next? In um, 1 Samuel 3, 19, says this. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Everything that Samuel said, God blessed. Everybody heard and knew that Samuel was a prophet of God. What if Hannah would have not taken and sacrificed Samuel? What would have happened? Right? He had a purpose. It was so important that Hannah did that so that all of Israel could hear some of the words that Samuel needed to say. Well, there's another mom I want you to consider today, um, Naomi. So some of you know the story of Ruth and Naomi. And when you think about Naomi's life, she was married, had sons. Um, Her sons had married Ruth and Orpah. After 10 years of them living together, working together, the uh, husband died, Naomi's husband, and then Naomi's sons died. So you think about grief, you know, when you have one death. Oh my gosh, some people, you know, in this room have been through that where your husband has passed away or your wife has passed away and there's a, a, just a deep grief. So then you pile on top of that, losing sons, right? So it's like your whole family has just been wiped out. And Naomi says to the daughter-in-law, she said, you know what? I love that you're here. It's really, really great. Like your company. You make good tea, maybe good pumpkin bread. But it's really important that you guys go back to your family and you guys need to be remarried um, because what, you know, you can't wait around here forever. And so um, this is what happened. In Ruth um, 1, 16 through 18, it says this. But Ruth said, do not plead with me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you sleep, I will sleep. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and worse if anything but death separates me from you. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. So Naomi's like, you really gotta go. I mean, like, go make a life for yourself. There's, there's nothing here. And Ruth says, no, I will not leave you. Wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Whatever you do, I'm gonna do. I wanna be with you all the time. Isn't that amazing when you think about, this is a, a girl and her mother-in-law. So this is something, it's not a blood relation right? It's not, uh, you know, you think about a mother and daughter relationship maybe being uh, this special. However, this is not that. This is, this is, you know, I've married into this relationship. And so there are some people here in the room who have maybe had, um, you haven't had that great experience with a mom. And maybe you have really been hurt by your mom. And so when you think about this, it's not just moms, but our aunts, our grandmothers, our friends sometimes, um, people within the church or people 
in your neighborhood sometimes fill that role of mom for you. So there's this deep bond and connection um, between the two of them. So they decided to return home, and this is what happens. In Ruth 1, 19 through 21, says this. Um, so they both went on until they came to Bethlehem. Uh, when they'd come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Have you ever felt like Naomi, where the Lord has turned his back on you? Have you ever felt afflicted? I know I have. I know there are times when I feel like I could have changed my name because you have afflicted me, God. I'm sure of it. I know that my life is miserable, and why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen time and time again? Maybe there were even some choices that you made that you feel like, you know what, I've made these choices, but maybe I got to blame it on God because, it, I'm, you know, it really wasn't my fault. I did it. Um, well, Naomi is bitter, right? She changes her name. Because she wants to cling to that bitterness. There's been, you know, the, the times when I have wanted to change my name and um, be reminded and kind of keep thinking and dwelling on that bitterness. It's a lot easier for me to just be mad about it continually. Well, sometimes God's plan is different. Like in Naomi's story. Um, part of when, when my brother died, um, so again, I was a senior in high school, and before that moment, um, I was really shy. I was very quiet, and um, he was very gregarious, very full of life, and very, he was funny. You know, my mom always laughed around him. I, he was just amazing, um, artistic. Like, everything that I thought people wanted in life, he was, and um, and so when he, when he died, I remember actually sitting in, um, in the hospital room with him, and I just remember going, God, why don't you take me? Take me instead. Like, I don't, uh, why would you take him? Please take me. Because I was a nobody. I, I wasn't important. I didn't have anything to offer anybody. And so my mom and I have talked about this later on, you know, because sometimes in the moment of hardship, you don't understand the, the future. You don't understand um, the pain and, and why you might go through these things. Um, you don't know the end result. God does, thankfully. Um, but when my mom and I have talked about this later on, we've talked about what a different person I have become. You know, had, had I always been in the shadow of my brother, um, things, I would have been different. I probably would still be sitting at home counting my chickens and petting my cats, and I probably would have never left my little small town. Um, and I think about the opportunities that I was given uh, being able to go to a college that I, I would have never been able to go to had certain circumstances not happened, you know, where I was able to be in leadership roles and I was able to have successes and able to marry Dan. Um, all of that stuff wouldn't have happened 
through this terrible, terrible part of our family history. The tapestry that was woven in that time was awful. It was some dark, dark colors. Like Ruth and Naomi, right? Loss is so difficult, so hard. But sometimes there's that bright thread. And so like me, I feel like, wow, God, you've used this, some of the dark, hard parts in life to create something beautiful later. Well, in God's great wisdom, the story of Ruth and Naomi doesn't end there. So once they return to Bethlehem, Naomi sends Ruth out to glean. So she says, okay, I know this really great person. His name is Boaz. He's part of the family line. Um, Why don't you go to his field? So she went, Ruth went to Boaz's field and gleaned and ended up having this really great favor with Boaz. So here's what Boaz said in Ruth 2.11. He says, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and you came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and may your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not like one of your female servants. Well, this is the beginning of their courtship, right? And so then it ends up, you know, you go a couple of months, years, who knows, and um, all of a sudden, Ruth and Boaz are married. And so they have this great part to their story. And God, in his goodness, did not leave Naomi in her affliction. So she is not going to be able to keep her name of bitterness forever. He began a different part to her picture, her tapestry. So listen to what this says. In Ruth 4, 14 to 17, it says, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer, Today and among his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you one who restores life and sustains your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took this child, laid him in her lap, became his nurse, and the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse the father of David. So King David, who we hear about and and love as we read his story. So through this baby, God provided and renewed Naomi's life. Through this baby, God provided a purpose for when she cared for him. So this part of her tapestry ended up being woven in gold because she's got now a kingly lineage. There's a really amazing woman who, um, her name is Corey Ten Boom, um, which many of you may know, but she is a Holocaust survivor. And um, she had been in a concentration camp and had written a book called The Hiding Place. And in that book, she had a, a poem. It's called The Tapestry Poem. 
And it says this, you know, thinking about anybody who's been in the Holocaust or anybody who had seen that, you know, I know a lot of us with wearing masks and being quarantined or being stuck at home, you know, I think about this all the time with, you know, what they dealt with in World War II and having to draw their curtains at night and not be able to go anywhere to hide in a, you know, four by four space with people and you can't talk. I mean, all of that stuff, like how awful that would have been. And so she's living through this. But here's, here's what she says. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are needed in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice for him. I think that's so amazing because we have a choice in our sacrifice, in our um, experiences in life. We have a choice in how we're going to respond. Are we going to respond like Hannah and say, thank you, God, for providing something wonderful for me? Are we going to say, you know, blessed is the Lord, you have provided me a new son, and in this son, um, I'm going to have this lineage of King David, you know? Um, One other thing, one last thing that Carrie Ten Boom had said If you look at this picture, um, there's a picture of the crown. You see the underside um, on the right and the finished product um, on the left. So she said this, although the threads of my life have often seemed knotted, I know by faith that on the other side of the embroidery, there is a crown. And so just like in moments of our life where things get knotted, things get twisted, we've got the dark threads, we've got the bright threads. And all of those things are being woven together for something good, something beautiful. We don't always see the picture right away. It might take years and years and years before we see the benefits of what that is. So God's story is being weaved throughout each of our lives. Pieces of color from our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, maybe aunts and uncles, coworkers, friends. All those colors are going to be part of our final picture. In every sacrifice, there's a reason. In every joy of being a mom, in every sorrow, every win, every loss, every chicken nugget to every lobster tail, in moments with a perfectly groomed child, and those times when you are around your child with unmatched socks, God has a plan and purpose for all that he does. If we look beyond what we can see and have the faith of Hannah, And the unconditional love of Ruth, we can see the beauty that God has been weaving all along. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you again for such a wonderful day to be able to celebrate and to look at the lives, the sacrifice of Hannah and Naomi and what they had gone through, Lord, and then their responses to that. God, I just pray for anybody who is holding on to bitterness and hurt and pain, God, that you would help them to see the purpose, the reasons. Just bring that to light, God, in a new way for them. We just pray your blessing, Lord Jesus, over the mothers, over the mothers um, who have lost children, over the mothers who have 
um, just maybe not had good relationships with maybe with their children or with their own mothers, God. We just pray that there would be healing in this place, and that there would be healing in those relationships in um, the moments that they have with, with their moms. God, we thank you and just pray your blessing over today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.